several years ago, I remember I had, I had, well, two really good friends who were both blind. And I may have shared this information with you, but we were on campus and, and I was constantly amazed at how they could just navigate all around campus and, and not fall down and they knew exactly how many steps and when curbs were coming up and so forth. But what I really enjoyed and kind of, you know, they looked so, um, well, just so comfortable doing what they were doing, you didn't really pay attention to the fact that they were blind until winter time. Because my one friend, and he probably did it just for the fun of it, but whenever it was cold, he would wear a toboggan. And you know how we'd fold them up, you know, around our head? He'd just pull his all the way down over his face and walk across campus with that toboggan all the way down. He didn't need it. Uh, and, and that reminded me of what he was doing, how that he was able to make his way around campus all the time and not be able to see. A few years ago, there was a young man born, his name was Daniel Kish. You may know of him, uh, may have seen him on television, or you might look him up on YouTube and, and look at some of the things that he is able to do. But when he was 13 months old, uh, Daniel Kish uh, went blind, and uh, he developed a rather unique talent. You know how bats use echolocation uh, to to find their way around. Um, they they make a like a little noise, and and he will make a like a little clucking noise, and by doing that, he can hone in on that cluck as it hits an object and comes back to him, and he knows how to navigate. He can see without seeing. And there have been all kind of tests with him because people say, ah, oh, come on. I mean, is this real? Real you, People can't use echolocation. That, that's not true. The man is blind, but just for the sake of experiments, he's even had himself completely blindfolded and covered up and and they have set up obstacle courses, and he can, even with the speed of riding a bike, you know, faster than walking, he can navigate through obstacle courses on a bicycle. Uh, they even had him driving a car in a parking lot and pulling into a space, and he's completely blind. What he has been able to do is to develop some other senses, He can't see, but he has developed the sense of echolocation, uh, awareness. And, uh, well, sometimes we can develop greater awareness. Maybe not to that degree, but we probably have heard of people that hear better when they lose their sight. Uh, There are senses that just get heightened when you lose one. Have you ever been driving and looking for a turnoff? And you have to turn down the radio. Why do we do that? That radio doesn't interfere with your vision, does it? But uh, we turn down the radio. Wait, I'm looking for a place. Turn that radio down. Uh, why do we do that? Because sometimes the less, the fewer senses involved, we are able to focus a little bit more. I have often wondered if that might not be the reason why the Lord blinded Paul on the road, or Saul on the road to Damascus. I don't know. 
But I do know that he came to a critical point in his life where he had to make some really hard decisions. And it's at that point that the Lord also blinded him. He had nowhere to go. He couldn't go about his usual business. He had to have people lead him into town. And for three days he sat and he thought. He had no uh, distractions in terms of sight because the Lord had blinded him. And he didn't receive his sight until Ananias came. So for several days... Saul was blind. But I want to share with you this morning some things that Saul, Saul, I never said that until just now, S-A-U-L-S-A-W, some of the things that he saw while he was blind. First thing I want to share with you is that while Saul was blind, he saw his ignorance. And I don't say that in an insulting way. I say it in this fashion. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, Saul was talking about his life. And he said, you know, I used to persecute the way. I used to be on the wrong side of this thing. But listen, I'm telling you, what I did, I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. He wasn't rebellious against God during this period of time. He wasn't living an un wholesome life, at least trying to live in an ungodly, rebellious way. He thought what he was doing was the right thing, but he did it ignorantly. He was in the very position that he prayed for in Romans 10 and verse 3 with reference to his Jewish brethren. You remember he said, my brethren, boy, they have a zeal for God, but it is without knowledge. That was his problem. He was zealous for God, but he was ignorant of what God wanted him to do. But while he was blind, he was able to see that. He hadn't seen that before. While he was a full sight, he thought he was doing the right thing when actually he was doing the wrong thing. And we know that ignorance is not an excuse. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17, 30 through 31... That the times of ignorance God winked at, but now He commands all men everywhere to repent. There may have been a time, there was a time when God looked at certain things, winked at, didn't hold men accountable for certain kinds of things uh, because of their ignorance, but now He commands all men everywhere to repent. So while nobody would want blindness, while Saul was blind, He learned of his ignorance. A second thing that Saul learned while he was blind, or Saul while he was blind, was that he was a sinner. Not only do we read in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 13 that he did what he did ignorantly and in unbelief, but in verse 15 of that same chapter, he said, listen guys, I am the chief of sinners. I would suspect that Saul had a hard time coming to grips with his past. Here's a man who's so zealous that he goes to the high priest, he has permission, he has papers to go around lawfully putting men and women in prison and even consenting to their death. You know, some of the stuff that we see that's taking place in the Middle East right now, uh, the, the, the murders of people who feel or believe religiously different than those who have the guns. These people are being taken out and murdered. That was the Apostle Paul or the Saul of Tarsus. He had the power. 
And he went around finding people, rounding up Christians and consenting to their death and even participating in their deaths and in their uh, arrest, being arrested, imprisonment. That had to weigh on him. What if you thought you were doing right to the point that you were taking people's lives and then you learn, whoops, that's not right. I've been wrong. Wow. The guilt. I understand why. I don't think Paul, I think Paul was a good man. He wasn't out living a rebellious life against God. There were many people much more sinful than the Apostle Paul was. But from his way of thinking, when he examined his own life and his own past, he felt like he was the worst. I am the chief of sinners. But he saw that when he was blind. Here's another thing the Apostle Paul saw while he was blind. He saw that sincerity was not enough. People don't see that today. They think, and how many times have we heard people say, listen, as long as you're sincere and and we're all serving the same God and we're all trying to go to heaven, we're doing what we, we believe is right, as long as you're sincere and you're not playing the role of a hypocrite, you, you're going to be okay. God will love you, and, and if you have something wrong, he'll overlook that because, you know, it's, it's sincerity. It's your heart that he's looking for and not form or function. He, he's just simply looking for your heart. The Bible tells us otherwise. Sincerity isn't enough. In Acts chapter 23 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul said, everything that I've done to this point, I've done in all good conscience. I have not violated my conscience at all. What I've done, I've done sincerely. Those men and women that I put in prison, when I stood there and helped those guys stone Stephen to death, I was seriously doing that because I thought it was the right thing. I I was sincere. He tells us in Acts chapter 26 and verse 9 that he felt like he had to do and that he must do many things contrary to the name of the Lord. He felt compelled. I've got to do this against this Jesus. I've got to go out and and do this to people because I'm being sincere. This is what the Lord would want me to do. But again, he was wrong. Folks, listen, trusting in your feelings isn't a way to live your life. It's not a way to live your life uh, physically. It's not a way to live your life spiritually. You can feel like um, everything's fine and things not be fine. Sometimes we need to go to the doctor. And and you can deceive yourself and think that, oh, this isn't a problem, and and it is a problem. And with reference to religion, it's not how you feel. It's what the Lord says. It's not whether you can do what you do with a clear conscience. It's are you obeying what the will of the Lord is. Saul came to that realization when he was blind. He realized he he could see for the first time that being sincere isn't good enough. The Apostle Paul said of himself and and others in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, he said, you know, there are people that judge me and I don't really care about that. It doesn't matter to me because people, I, I answer to God. 
And whether I have someone judging me or not, that's not a big deal to me. And quite frankly, he said, it's not a big deal to me if I judge myself. Even if I say, you know what, I'm looking at my life, I think I'm okay. I I don't know anything against myself. I, I feel good. Paul said, that doesn't mean anything to me either. Because others can be wrong about their assessment of me, and I can be wrong about my own assessment of myself. He said in verse 4, what really matters is the assessment of God. And am I right in his eyes? Not how I feel, but what did God say? And so when Saul was blind, he saw that sincerity was not enough. Another thing that Saul saw while he was blind was that coming to God took more than just prayer. All right, put yourself in Saul's situation You're going down that Damascus road and there's a bright light and the guys with you, everybody falls to the ground and you hear this voice, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you say, well, who are you? And he says, I'm the Lord. And Saul is blinded and he's told, I want you to go into Damascus and there it will be told what you must do. All right, well, so Saul has these friends and they they help him because he can't see and they lead him into the city. And for the next few days, he's blind. What would you be doing? I'm just asking you, what would you be doing? I know what I would be doing. If I had been persecuting the way, and I'm a religious man in the first place, I'm moved and compelled to do what I was doing because of my faith in God. And now I have learned that my faith in God was misguided, and that this one that I was persecuting is actually the Lord who He claimed to be, and I have been putting men and women to prison and and putting them to death. And what is going to become of me? I've been wrong. Look at what I've done to the lives of these people who were innocent and they were doing right. I would have been praying. And what I would have been praying is, God, please forgive me. What I did, I did in ignorance. I did not understand. I assure you, test my heart. Look at my heart. Try me, O God, and see if there's any evil way within me. I was sure that I was right. And no way would I ever do that to someone and not think that it was deserved. Please, God, forgive me. I wonder how many times in those three days Paul must have said, forgive me. When Ananias reached Saul in Acts 22 and verse 16, we have a parallel account in that passage. Ananias was told how he'll find Saul. You'll find him because he's the one who'll be praying. And he found Saul and he he was praying. And this is what Ananias said. Saul, what, what are you doing? What what are you waiting for? Get up. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Isn't that interesting that what Ananias said is what men do not say today? Men today will say, what you need to do is get down on your knees and pray to God for forgiveness. Say the sinner's prayer and you'll be saved. They tell him to do exactly the opposite of what Ananias told him to do. 
looking through the filter of today's religious views, Saul was doing exactly what he should have been doing. He was down on his knees praying to God. And that's what Ananias said. I want you to stop doing that. I want you to get up and go get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Saul came to the realization while blind that I have to do more than just pray to be saved. I have to obey the gospel. I have to be baptized. And here's another thing that Saul learned while he was blind. He learned in Saul that he couldn't just simply um, imitate his parents. He couldn't just inherit their faith. You see, what was good enough for mom and dad wasn't good enough for Saul. But how many people think that way? Oh, I'm never going to do this. Hey, listen, my mom and dad were this. And their views, their religious views were this way. And, you know, if that was good enough for them, that's good enough for me. I had a lot, I thought a lot of my mom and dad. And and this is what they they taught me when I was a child. And, and, you know, because mom and dad taught me that, I'm not going to change. That happens all the time. That, That point of view happens all the time. But what Saul realized while he was blind is I can't just practice what mom and dad taught to be faithful to the Lord. I'm going to have to step out and do something different. Faith is personal. You've heard the phrase. And it's, I think it's worth repeating though. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. You see, you can be a child of God, but you cannot be a grandchild of God. He, the only relationship that we sustain to the Father is a child-father relationship. There are no grandchildren. He is not a grandfather. He's our father or he is nothing at all. And our relationship to God has to be personal. We have to own it. And there comes a point in our lives when we have to say, you know, I, I know mom and dad taught me these things, but I have to own this for myself. Do I really believe that? Is that true what they told me? Does it, does it mesh with scripture? What, what if they told me something that I cannot, I just cannot find that in the Bible? Who are you going to follow? I know Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37 that you have a choice to make. You can love your father and mother or you can love me. But one of us has to come first. And you can't be my disciple unless you love me or put me before your father and your mother. And that's what Saul of Tarsus did. And he came to that understanding when he was blind as well. Because he got up and was baptized and became the Apostle Paul that we know today. He, he turned his back on what mom and dad did. And I wonder, it's one of those questions you'll never know. But I wonder if his parents were still living. If Saul went, the Apostle Paul went and talked to mom and dad. And, and tried to convince them that this is the fulfillment of what we have been practicing. Uh, all we've been looking for the Messiah and he's come and we need to accept him. We don't have an answer to that, but I wish I knew. But I find it interesting in Acts chapter 9 that this blind man saw a lot. 
Just like there's this man who can use that echolocation, and though he can't really see, he can see. And Saul, while he was blind, he saw a lot of important things, and he took care of business. My question to you this morning is, it took physical blindness to enable Paul to see. Does it take that for you? Can you focus in enough that you don't have to be physically blind, but can, can you focus in on the Scriptures and on the truth and say, listen, this is what I need to do. Can you put out the world? Can you put out and get rid of religious error? Can you filter through all the, the dissenting voices and listen just to the Lord? That's what we need to work at. I've heard of people who, when they listen to music, and maybe you do it too, when you listen to music, they close their eyes because they don't want the sense of sight interrupting the, the, the music that they're listening to. And, and there's maybe a greater appreciation when their eyes are closed. I hope that we can develop a keen sense of awareness and appreciation for what the Lord says, and to listen to His voice above all other voices. What good does it do us if we live our lives and we follow a number of voices and we live good moral lives, but we haven't heeded Jesus? We'll be lost. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, Open your eyes, look and see what He offers, and accept His gift of salvation. If you're here this morning and you need to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, why don't you make that decision? If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and and you know, if the Lord came back right now, I would not be ready. Then humble yourself. Come forward as we sing the song of encouragement and say, listen, I've sinned and I want to do better and I want everybody to know I'm doing better. And and I seek their prayers and we'll pray with you to that end. Or if you just have things going on in your life and you're saying, you know what, wow, this is pretty heavy. And I I don't know, I feel a bit overwhelmed. I, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm just overwhelmed with life. And I'd like for my brethren to pray for me and with me. We'll do that as well if you'll come as we stand together and sing.